Hi, and welcome to the Toolkit Podcast. I'm Crystal Fault, Executive Editor of Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. And my guest today is director Ava DeVernay, whose new film, Origin, opens this week nationwide. Origin, of course, is based on Isabel Wilkerson's best-selling book, Cast, The Origin of Our Discontents. And as I brought up with Ava, when you read this book, it's not necessarily the type of thing that instantly lends itself to a movie adaptation. It's got these large ideas connecting Nazi Germany, the caste system in India, Southern segregation during the Jim Crow era here in the States, and the murder of Trayvon Martin. And it's looking at the common root of these forms of oppression and giving us a new lens to look at a more recent racist event like Trayvon Martin's murder. And what Ava has done with this film is using the book as a jumping off point to tell the emotional story through the eyes of its author, Isabel Wilkerson, uh, who experienced a great deal of personal trauma in the course of writing this book. And so what Ava's constructed here is a story of her journey to making these breakthrough discoveries. And so you get the ideas, but you also get a very emotional story. Watching it a second time, I was very, very impressed in how this was all pulled together, and it was great to talk to Ava about it, and I hope you enjoy it. A lot of people, such as yourself, really connected with uh, Miss Wilkerson's book. I'm not sure, I mean, it did really well. A lot of us read it after, during that period. It really, it's funny, a lot of it, you associate so much of it with the pandemic and that period of post-George, you know. So the idea that you connected with this book is, I mean, I think a lot of people resonate. I feel like the idea, though, that this would be a movie is something that was very unique to you. Because I don't know that, <laughs> I'm not sure Hollywood producers or other filmmakers, because right. it, it's, it's such as, it's, it's, it's the discovery of all these ideas and how they fit together, which works so well in a book. I'm wondering if you talk just even that, because it seems as if you saw it, mind instantly started working as a filmmaker, no? It did, it did, because I I was looking for something, you know, looking for something that would allow me to explore the things that I'm interested in, but not kind of tread the same territory as I'd done before. Dealt with criminal justice, dealt with history, civil rights era, prison industrial complex, little girls flying on, on leaves and regular time, all mm-hmm. the things that we do. Mm-hmm. But I was looking for something that would just allow me to... Um, find a new way into the things that were, were interesting to me. And so this book, although definitely on its surface was unadaptable, I, I think I went into it hoping that I could find some threads in it. And uh, I've, I've said I read it the first time and I didn't really get the topic. I didn't even get, really get the premise because the book has a lot of small little stories and she's trying to, to, to throw everything at you to get you to understand cast. I just didn't, didn't really get it. Because as an African American, you know, my context, my primary lens through which I identify and associate with the world is through race. So the idea that a lot of the things that I'm experiencing isn't race, is that what she's saying? It's not race or it is race or it's something else than race? I just didn't get it. You're almost like a Vera Farmiga at that cocktail party where you're like, it's or when they start talking about I'm the Vera Farmiga, I'm Missy Nash, <laughs> yes. I'm Connie Nielsen, yeah. I'm all the people in the movie that just didn't quite get what she was saying. And 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 so uh but yet this woman continued to research and to investigate and to write this book and to talk about it. And once I got it, I felt like her too. Mm-hmm. I wanted to create a film that allowed people to really get it. And um and so that was that was the the drive. Adaptation obviously can take a lot of different forms. 
in this one, really, it, it, the ideas and some of the intellectual journey that she goes through, obviously you're carrying over, but it really feels like the adaptation was its own process for you, that finding your way in, finding your structure there did become a personal journey, I guess, for you, but also discovering more of the author's personal journey. Could you talk? Because it seems like that... It didn't. You didn't sit down with the book and start writing necessarily. No, you really had to I, do your I wish. Uh, no, I mean the, the the book is about a book of ideas. Mm -hmm. It's not a story. And when you make a film, it, it's it's got to be a story. If it, I, I knew that I wanted to find characters who you can connect to, care about, be emotionally drawn to, that would take you through the theory, take you through the concepts. Mm -hmm. Without that, I'm 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 making a documentary. And so I was interested in kind of blurring the lines between doc doc and, and, and narrative, um, but I always firmly knew that I wanted this to be actors and I wanted to explore the idea of personal trauma and collective trauma. Personal memory and a collective memory. Collective memory is what history is, right? And unfortunately, much of our history is a collective trauma as well. And so the idea that you could be following this woman and also following this, this history and, and, and somehow by interweaving them be able to get a larger picture, I thought would be something that would help people who wouldn't read the the book three times. Um, at, at times, I wish that there was a, an emotional drive, and that 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 would help me get through the book. But it's not it's not what the book is. The book is about it's a nonfiction book about heavy subject matter, and it's written beautifully in there. But but within it, you see characters, and those are the characters that I was attracted to, and I pulled out and cast beautiful actors to play. And a lot of that came from interviews with Isabel, right? Like that. Her part. Yeah. Her, her part. part. But finding that, because that, yeah. her story's in there in the book, right? But it's not, there's a whole part that's, that comes from delving into what she was going through at that time that I, that came a little bit more from, am I right about that? From Yeah, interviews? that's not in the book. Yeah. None of the personal loss and, 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 and the relationships with family mm -hmm. are in the book. The whole character of Marion played by Nisi Nashbet so beautifully is not mentioned in the book. Uh, so it was her generosity in talking with me, sitting down with me. I mean, I can't imagine talking to a stranger about losses that I've experienced in my life uh, in the way that she did so open because I feel she knew that it was a means to an end, a means to have a film about these larger issues. And the filmmaker wanted to, you know, kind of uh, springboard off her personal life. She, she was, she, she did it. The mixing of her story with the kind of, for lack of a better word, detective story of yeah. piecing this together is beautiful. I mean, rewatching it this morning, the, um, the India, where she has that, that third loss and her heart is so full and it feels as if that being inside how much of she's feeling in that emotion so dovetails nicely into this moment that like the pieces fall yeah, together yeah, for yeah. her right yeah, it's like but that feels like that's that was like a huge part of this right huge was like it. it was yeah. like yeah is how to map those things out right? how to map that personal and then that the intellectual journey the personal journey the historical journey it was a scary process but i look back i say i had fun um, because it was there was just no net and there were no rules. There was no studio. I wasn't turning it into anyone. I mean, I was turning it into Guillermo del Toro and like David Oyelowo and like the homies mm -hmm. uh, getting notes. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't like benchmarks that I had to hit for the people who were giving me millions of dollars. It was a free process. It was an independent process. It allowed me to deal with some. I, I have some surreal elements in there. Some you know hardcore historical, very tough elements. Some personal. Some romance. Um, and I just put it all in the pot. That 
process feels like it also carried over into production. I'm thinking even just India. I know that there's probably things that you had to hit there, but I imagine you're getting off the plane with your team and there's there's a lot of things there that have to, I don't want to say a documentary process, but I mean there has to be discovery. I mean you've got you've got a major character there who's playing himself who's just yep. basically teaching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Isabella and us and you have you I you have a whole cast of people that you know, there are. I, I, I was reading. There's real Dalit people so playing themselves. People, yeah, and you also are trying a lot to of capture actors. Yeah, you know, and, camp, and that. So does that? And then also the filmmaking just feels even just getting off that. Yeah. you know, going through the city, it feels like very fresh and alive. Yeah, so is that? Thank I mean, you. could you? Is that part? I, I just use India because it was the one that came well, to let, my mind. Is that? And makes me happy just to hear you talk about India because I loved that experience. It was the it's the final bit of the shoot, uh, and it was thirty seven day shoot. In three and three countries, so it was our last country, and you know we had a lot to get in a short amount of time. Uh, they have a very robust film industry there, so mm. very very experienced craftspeople. But the actors that we were working with were non-actors. Um, there were a, a couple of actors, but but really almost everyone you see in the India section is uh, playing themselves or they are portraying people and they've never portrayed anyone. And so, um, but the energy in that country, I mean, you cannot point the camera at something that is not filled with life and brimming with color and energy. It's just, it's just even the decay. You know, mm -hmm. it was beautiful. And uh, and so it, we were just energized by it. And there was no safety net. There's no studio. There's no call labor relations. There's no, we need a little bit more money from accounting. It's like, oh, this this camera broke. We need insurance to get on the line. It was just like, it broke. Better tape it up. We got to keep going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was very, very indie. And, and yes, it, it mirrored the screenwriting process in that way. Like, no no net, which uh, is addictive. It, we, is this also, I want to... I want to talk a little bit about, and if India is not the proper place to use as a jump off place, let's go someplace else, but the way that you approach and work with background actors and the way that, uh, I, it feels like India in particular, there's a whole element of like a, a society that you're capturing there, but even the way that some of them are brought forward into the into the frame. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about it, because it's a little bit different than actor, uh, extras, right? Yeah, how... I think it's something I don't hear directors talk a lot about, and I'm glad that you brought that up. I think the areas that it's the most prominent, though, because in India, my my process was I was putting my actor. I mean, it's so dense, and there's so many people. Yeah. There's no control, and I don't speak their language, mm -hmm. so there's not. There, it was really hard to have the kind of connection with the background actors that I that I usually try to. So in that one, the, the process was we're just going to put our actors in real situations, and all these people that are walking by don't even really know we're making a movie. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we tried to kind of get away with that. But the, the real kind of diligence with the background actors you'll see in the scenes of the Holocaust and in the scenes on the slave ship, those are the two that come to mind. And these are local actors from Savannah, Georgia. And I remember gathering the the background actors before the, the, the sequence, the Holocaust sequence, the concentration camp sequence. And I came out and I said, hi, I'm Ava DuVernay, the director. They're all dressed. They're getting dressed. They're getting uh, aged. So we're aging up the clothes and putting putting age on their faces and making them dirty and all those things. And while they're talking, while they're doing that, I'm talking to them. And I said, how many people, uh, you know, I just want to go through what we're doing in the scene, right? Because a lot of times background actors don't even know what's happening in the scene. They don't have the script. No one talks to them. It's like stand there, do that. They're treated like cattle. I said, how many people know what we're doing? Nobody raises their hand. I said, okay, so let me tell you what we're doing. You are German people, but you happen to be Jewish. 
Some guy raises his hand. I'm Jewish? I said, yes, sir, you're going to be Jewish. I said, how many Jewish people here? There's about 200 people in the room. And five raised their hands. So that whole scene, you're looking at people that did not have a, a lived experience connection to, mm -hmm. to it. So a whole part of the process was to, I, I spent about a half hour in there saying, forget being Jewish. Think about a time when something has been taken from you that mattered and meant something to you. So I had to just try to bring them into the process. Uh, I, I asked them to think, what is your job? When you go out into the scene, right, what was your job before you got here? Were you a housewife? Were you a baker? Were you a clerk? How many kids do you have? Think of your backstory. They're like, oh, wow. I said, you all are not background. You are not extras. You are background actors. And you are not extra. You are the core of the scene. There's nothing extra here. There's no main character. You are the main character. And you can see the confidence rise. You can see it going. So they come out onto the, you see, you know the scene. You, you come, they come out onto the, the camp kind of middle ground where they're going to be, where, where, where children are going to be taken from their parents and dogs are barking. All these things are happening. And I call action and they are there. They are there. The terror, the fear. The anguish, it's on their faces. I've looked through that footage. I cried just looking through the footage. They got there. You have to spend time, right? You have to spend time with the actors that you are, 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 are asking to do anything. It is a, a scene of, at, a, at a pool at the end of the film uh, that, that happens um, in the middle of the last century. And there are young... This is, this is the Albright. This is the Albright oh, yeah. scene, yes. And you have all these kids who have no context for what we're even doing. They don't live in a world where a black kid can't get in a pool. They don't even know what I'm talking about. And to have to have these conversations and bring these kids into it so that when I put the camera on them, when a thing happens, that happens, that you that they are feeling it. So I spend a lot of time with background actors. I feel like they are a beautiful brushstroke in the painting, and I... I I marvel at the fact that um, more time is not spent with them. And they're treated so poorly. Mm. I mean, they make nothing. And they have to stand, stand around all day. They don't know what they're doing. They're getting the worst food. They're the last to be thought of. So if you give them a little bit of time, I've just gotten extraordinary results. The gentleman in the Albright scene, is that, what, what is that? What's I know. His, what, is that, what's okay, that story? You're the first person to ask me about him who in, in, a, in a press capacity. But... So many people who see the film ask me about him, but no one's asked me officially. So you got the first answer. When you see this film, there's going to be a man and you're going to wonder who he is. Is he the real man who, mm -hmm. who experienced the story that he's telling? He's not. He's not the real man. He was a background actor who came up to me after a, a speech that I made to the background actors and said, Mr. Renee, I had a, ser a, a, a experience similar to the scene we're about to do. I said, well, you did. Tell me about it. So he starts to tell me about a time when he was a little boy that something happened to him. And I said, do you think if I give you the scene that we're doing and have you read it, that you can tell the story of the scene with the emotion you just told me that story? He said, I don't know. I've never done that, but I'll try. So I sent him over into the corner while I was setting up the shot. He read the scene. None of the other background actors had the scene. He read the scene. He came back. One take. He told that story. It was so... Uh, heart-wrenching, the story that he told. And it, it, it dovetails with his, because he, 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 there's so much regret. So much regret, but it was his real experience. He really felt that. 
And that is all his words. There were no words. She's so reactive. She, she, Anjanou, Anjanou, she took, he took her off guard. I said, sit down. This guy's going to tell a story. I don't know yeah. what it is. He's read the things. Let's see what it goes. And she was completely taken about him that he, she cried in the scene. So it's, it's, um, I love working with background actors. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited that someone's asked me about them. No one's ever asked me about them. Thank you. <laughs> Since we did talk about the, some of those images um, that you got from them, the payoff for this movie, and it's one of the most. I think it's fifteen minutes. I don't know what's between between India. Like a twenty minutes. The, the writing, the writing yeah, of the yeah, thing between yeah. the Albright and the in leaving India and writing the book. It's about fifteen twenty. Is that what yep. it is? It is extraordinary, and it's really the payoff to. Ever, it's like it's the how all these things. The writing of a book. I don't know if there's ever been a better writing of a writing writing, of a oh. writing, <laughs> writing a scene here. Um, and there's so many things here I want to talk about, but I think just from a starting standpoint, what did you have? <laughs> you know, because obviously you're imagining one thing that the book can do, you know, the movie can do is emotionally connect all these things and we can experience them. them. Um, so the idea that you could adapt this moment that these things are coming together for her and then therefore for us, intellectually, I'm sure you had that. But I'm like... I, in terms of like what's in the script or what you're imagining here, what did you go into production with for that? Well, what's in the script is a little different than what you see in the film. The the inner cut of the three. So the, what we're talking about is at the end of the film, there's a culmination of the three core places where uh, Isabel Wilkerson that that she uses an, as an example of cast. We've been following them through the whole movie. And she goes home to write. She goes home to she, she goes home to write. She's gone, traveled the world. She's collected all the information. You've seen people doubt her. You've seen her succeed uh, intellectually. She's with a whiteboard. She's with a whiteboard. <laughs> it is full on Mark Ruffalo in spotlight. It's a whiteboard. It's people typing. It's just it 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 it. It, it's people writing. It's yeah. someone writing. But but what she's writing comes to life, and you see it. You see the thesis form, and the way that it's in the script. Each place, India, the United States, and Germany, were its own block. We're going to do this first, and then this first, and then this first, and then my editor Spencer Averick starts playing with it. And one night, and I was just like, "This is too blocky. This is chunky. Yeah, like this get, is yeah. too long. I don't want to go through all. This. Like, what should we do?" And I'm thinking, "We just cut down, cut down, cut down." Because like, you're also having to rely on her voiceover of the principal. Like, her book is split up into these principles, and you pillars, yeah. yeah. And so one day he comes to me and he just says, "Hey, last night, middle of the night, he gets these inspirations in the middle of the night. I love it when it's hap when it happens when he's up in the middle of the night." Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get something good the next day. Um, I just tried something. I don't know if it's going to work. I said, well, let's see it. And he had started to intercut them at, at these beautiful touch points where I was like, oh, that's the move. What, what, are we, what have we been doing? And so that piece came together so quickly. Those pieces were meant to touch each other in that way as opposed to being standalones. And once we started playing them with, with the material and that, with that idea, um, it took on a whole new power because that's the core of it. That, that's why I shot it all in 16 mil without putting like sepia tone on different on different time periods and try to delineate between what's India or what's in the 1950s or everything is the same color grade by Tom Poole. Everything is the same shot in 16 millimeter by Black by, by Matt Lloyd. It's all the same. I wanted a sameness, a uniformity to the visuals. And why did, why did it take me, I don't know, four months to realize that that uniformity, everything being the same, everything touching each other, would work for the end? 
that's the exploratory process of the editorial time. There's a thing about the way these images intermingle, and I don't know what, it, it, I don't want to use the word beauty because these are horrific things, but there's something about, and maybe this is what Spencer saw, there's something in the way that you approach these images. You know, just, just for people that haven't seen the film, there's there, it's slave ships, people stacked on top of each other. So it's brutal. But there's something about your choices and your work with Matthew here in that I'm sure Spencer saw an intermingling of yeah. this with bodies. And um, again, I don't want to use, I mean, I know you've said this before, with the, there's pain and beauty. I think you should use beauty. I think there is a beauty because you're seeing it, it, it's, it's human. And even the tough stuff is beautiful. Is that, you know? is that, is that the thing? Is is to, to even though is is to maybe women undressing before they're about to go into the Holocaust, maybe bodies stacked on top of each other in slave ships. Is, is is that the through line in terms of creating these images with Matthew? Is is that is to find the humanity the in these situations? Yeah. yeah, I mean the humanity in it. You know, the reason why the historical pieces work in that part the part of the film that you're talking about is because. You, we are treating each person in those sequences as full human beings that need to be seen and regarded. Even when you're looking at the, at the, at the slave ship, you know, I'm gonna focus on the hand, the care that the people in the, the, the stacks are giving one another. And that allows them not to just be bodies in mass, that allows them to be, because they're acting and behaving as human beings who are caring for one another, it allows us to care for them. So I think when I'm working with these images, whether it's Selma or 13th or When They See Us or this work, um, it's about making sure that you're not, uh, you know, this is not trauma porn if you are regarding each person as a human being. It's not trauma for the sake of spectacle. It's, it's trauma for the sake of excavation and to work through it. You know, it's like a, it's, it's like, it's like a wound that it's not healed unless you tend to it. And the way that you tend to trauma is you, you have to, you have to uncover it or it doesn't heal. And so, um, so yes, those, those moments, especially there's one moment where there's a woman who screams in a slave ship. She opens her mouth and there's a cut where you hear the scream of a woman in the Holocaust. And just that connective tissue between people is what we were trying to do. There's a thing here, you're crediting Spencer for making this breakthrough. There's another element here beyond just him being able to see this. It is an extraordinary piece of editing to, to sustain this for 15. And, and you got Chris's music. There's a thing here. These are people that you've worked with for a while, Chris Browers, um, your editor, and and these ideas. I mean, I wonder if you could just talk, because I, I think even just listening to what you and I were just talking about, I think you could imagine this going on for a few, you know, you could see something like this being on, earning a few minutes of screen time. But to sustain itself to go on, to be able to carry through these pillars of her book. I have to imagine maybe going into this, you didn't think I could, you could get as many pillars up there as you did. You know, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because it's, it's, it's amazing how long, and there's, there's almost a, a flow and a drama in it to sustain it as long as they do for, for this sequence. Yeah, I wanted it to be waves of emotion, you know, and so it's constructed to kind of bring you up and, and take you down and, and bring you back up again. And uh, and really a lot of care went into what every single frame, what's shown next, 
How are we kind of managing what the emotional experience is? Um, there are moments of revelation. I think that's the thing in that sequence is that so, yeah. there are moments of revelation that keep you uh, engaged. There are moments of deep uh, payoff to things that we had set up earlier. Uh, <laughs> and so and so as you're watching this kind of cacophony of ideas colliding to, with one another, you're also getting little bits of story that pay off from the first half of the movie, from, you know, the characters that we spent more time with. Uh, and so uh, that, that was a big part of the construction. It's not just overwhelmed with the writing. You are mm -hmm. you're actually seeing the end of some stories that were started earlier. And how does the process work with Chris in terms of score? In terms of, is, is it one of these things where these two are interweaving, or does he come in and 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 is, is he that final layer? Yeah, he comes in with a well. It, we've worked in different ways at different times, but on this project, he uh, he came into a cut that was pretty solid, uh, and he uh, such an extraordinary artist and person uh, that he didn't have a lot of time. We shot and we we wrapped we we wrapped we shot January through uh, the the end of February, and. Um, and we were at Venice. We had to turn in the Venice cut at the top of August. Um, and Chris was still writing the score. The score is dripping wet at Venice. There's actually a couple cues that we showed in Venice that that were not that were from other pieces that he had done for me. <laughs> and uh, and and so yeah. But on this, he was really doing it on the run. But the cut was was in pretty good shape. So he is is really looking at fully formed ideas as he sits down, and uh, and he's able to just go to town. You kind of alluded to this. There's an element, Trayvon Martin, in the beginning, um, that to me was is the most overwhelming. The fact that this thing that was the spark for her to go on this journey. And towards the end of this, that you bring him, it, it, without even saying a word, mm. you get it, mm. you know. Mm. And for all of us, that when she was at the cocktail party, didn't quite understand right, that. right, 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 <laughs> what, where right. she was going with this. It's yeah. we're, we're there. Um, I would like to go back though to to the scene um, with with Trayvon Martin's murder. I that's got to be. Oh, hard thing on a bunch of different levels you know one just even the decision to represent that on film um but then also where we are in relation you know where how we're going to experience this as an audience i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that it's an extraordinary it's, it's another piece of extraordinary filmmaking in this um but i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about both those decisions both creatively but also even just the idea of am i going to do this mm -hmm. Well, I always knew. I mean, she she talked to me very passionately about the fact that he was the impetus for you know he he was the jumping off point for her to be even starting to think about these ideas, and uh, so I knew that he had to be there somewhere. I knew that I wanted to humanize him as we we do through the whole film mm -hmm. and give him a little bit of an opportunity to be more than you know the young man, the boy who's who's murdered, and so just seeing him for a little bit of time uh, before it happens, what was he doing? Talking to a friend on the phone, talking to this girl on the phone, and going to buy Skittles and and uh, Arizona iced tea, and um, and you see the conversation is just so innocent. It's nothing. It's it's just what kids talk about. It's just so his age. It's just so his age. It's, it's just you know fluff and fun and and uh, and to see that be misinterpreted and distorted and criminalized and you know uh, minutes later he's he's dead. Um, is uh, is 
I wanted that to be the catalyst for the audience to also have a jumping off point into the work. And so, you know, shooting work like that, unfortunately, is something I have experience with. And I did a lot of it in When They See Us and and, and, and uh, in Selma, you know, beatings and murders of people based on the color of their skin um, and uh, allowing that to be an entry point for people to see, see folks as human and learn more about their story. Um, and yeah, the shooting of that is really difficult, you know, really making sure that you're taking care of the crew, taking care of the actors, of course. Um, but not many people have talked about that bookend because the film begins and ends with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not much in the film that still makes me cry. I mean, I can, I, I shot it, I wrote it, I did it, I edited it, I looked at it a lot of times. Um, there's only one shot that makes me cry, and it's the last shot of the movie. And, uh, and so I usually, when I'm in a screening, I, I have to look away at that point. Uh, it just automatically gets me, so I usually don't watch it. Um, and uh, I'll just say that I had the opportunity to show the, the film to his mother and to his brother. And uh, you imagine the generosity of people allowing their, the story of their loved one to be uh, included in something that the, the, wor- the worst moment that they all experienced to be recreated and, and shown and, and, and included in something like this. So I just have to tip my hat and thank them so much. That's a conversation you want to have beforehand just to make sure. Is that, well, is, make sure yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah I, spoke with, I spoke with Ms. Fulton before I even shot a frame of it. Mm-hmm. I spoke to her before I even cast Miles Frost to play him. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for me to do this? I was very nervous talking to her. Mm. I called her on the phone and she said, uh, why are you so, girl, why are you so nervous? And I said, because, I said, ma'am, because, she said, first of all, we're the same age, which really, I said, wait, we're the same age? And um, and so immediately he becomes like my son. I don't have children, but the care and the regard for taking care of his story became very maternal for me. And uh Wow, I'm having a therapy session here on IndieWire. <laughs> Maybe that's why that last frame always gets me. The choice to use the Zimmerman audio. You do this a few times, not Zimmerman's audio, but you do, you want to, there's a couple times where you use archival. Yeah. But his, I mean, his real there's voice. a difference between Dr. King and, and George Zimmerman. That's right. The, uh, the choice to, to use, I mean, she's experiencing it this way. You know, the Blair Underwood character is trying to get her to write a story, has sent her the right. kind of uh, early... I guess I hadn't been public at that point. So, I mean, I guess there is that element of that's how right. you know, she experienced it. But but using that and also where we are in relationship to this, because there is that part where we do get to hear him on the phone. Yeah. We do get to get yeah. the like teenage thing. But now we're here. And we're not that we're seeing him, but we're right, in this right, car right. with him. Well, I thought what George Zimmerman was saying to the 911 operator was in direct contrast and contradiction to what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to know him before George Zimmerman paints a picture of who he is. He's walking around. He's suspicious. He's casing houses. No, it's not. He's talking to a girl on the phone. He just has got candy in his hand, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really important for me to draw the distinction the, the, the contrast between the two so that by the time you hear the Zimmerman tape, you know that's not true. That's not true. And um, and you're watching him on the edge of your seat. You Some people know what's going to happen. Some people don't realize who he is and what's happening, which is odd. Do you know there are whole adults walking around in the world who 
weren't there at the time and didn't live through it. It's not their lived experience. They don't, they don't even know who they're, who they're watching. Other people know right when they see the hoodie go up. Other people know when they see the Skittles. Um, and there are other folks who just don't know the story. And so, um, but the idea that I could use the, the, his real voice, his real tape, you know, it always hurts my feelings when you hear Zimmerman say on the, on the phone, they always get away, you know. What are you talking about? That's that's cast, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know, Isabel Wilkerson was so uh, uh, you know uh, wise to uh, understand that while she was living through, and we all were living through the murder of this boy, that there was something else happening that wasn't race, and the thing that tipped her off was because th this wasn't a white black power dynamic. The 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 killer, the murderer, killer was a Latino man. And so she starts to pick away that. What is that? There's something else there. It's not just race. And that led her to, to the rest. That scene is, is one thing in and of itself. But to envision how that was then going to culminate at the end and resonate with us, not just simply the events of that, but from the way that we move into that back at the end and return to it, it is, I watched it again this morning. It's exceptional that you were able to do that. And that is an audience member, you know, I don't know, what is it, an hour and 15 minutes later, hour and a half later, I'm like... Two hours later. Two hours. Is it <laughs> yeah. two, is, it's literally two hours yes. later. And, you know, I forgot, you know, I'm already, I'm I'm in Nazi Germany. I'm, in with the, 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 I'm down in the South with the two couples. Yes. You know, I, you know, Trayvon's in my, you know, yeah. way back, yeah, yeah. you know, and to come back, it's really one of the most powerful things I've seen in a long time wow. that you did that. So. Wow. And, um, I'm glad it had a resonance. Well, I have to tell you, that one, one cut. Was that a debate? It was a debate, and it was it was a bit of a push. I won't say fight, but it was an idea from Guillermo. Mm -hmm. He should go there. I was like, mm, I don't know. We're doing our own thing on this. Just try it. I said, uh, I don't think it really works. Just do you just want to try it? I said, I really don't want to try it. He said, Ava, just try it. Just see. He's sitting in my editing room. Just see. It's like, this is ridiculous. Okay, we'll cut it in. We cut it in. And I saw it the first time and I was like, it just, like a, it just stabbed me. It just took me out right there in the middle. And I think my thought was, wait, is this going to, does it work? Is it okay, you know, to, to do this here? And, um, and I said, look, I'm going to leave it in for a week and see if it grows on me. And every day I watched it, it just gained more and more power and became kind of indisputable that it needed to be in that section. I have to tell you that cut is to me the full circle moment uh, <laughs> that she, the moment, this kind of beautiful mind thing that's going on in her house with the with the yeah. board and all coming together, that cut for me was the yeah. one where it yeah. did yeah. just. Yeah, that stuff, it was at a different place. And it was, it was, it was, we were trying to find kind of what, where that would go and in the, the the moment that he identified was there's, there's another shooting that mm -hmm. happens and connecting it there just had a beautiful resonance i'm so glad he pointed because it's a gunshot if i'm not right it's, it's, it's a, a gunshot it's a gunshot yeah it's the gunshot gunshot yeah. to gunshot to yeah. gunshot yeah we're not making this film sound like something people want to see chris we're talking about gunshots holocaust slave ships can we talk about romance? Can we talk about Well, I mean, love? there is. Well, you didn't. You, you skipped past it, but I think one of the things was um, 
August and Irma is is a big part. <laughs> it's a is, big is, one. That, because that's barely in the book, right? And that's yeah. That's so to have that yeah, romance. I love their story, and I want it more. But isn't that isn't that important? Yeah. While you're while these things are coming together and they yeah. start to swirl together, yeah, their romance. Did, you did need that. You, I did need that. That is Ava, right? Yeah, I love that romance. There's a lot of love stories. It's also Allison and Elizabeth Davis, okay. that couple. Mm-hmm. And then it's Brett and Isabel and that sweeping love story. So there's like these three beautiful love stories that triangulate through the whole thing that I uh, I'm very fond of. Well, I mean that's the thing. I gotta tell people that there's some nice things in this. It's not all the Holocaust and, and slave ships, friends. Although there's a lot of Holocaust. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean it's it's it that stuff is there. You know, and I laugh because I, I, I just feel like I'm in this struggle to try to invite people to see the film and the things that, you know, I want to talk about with people. I find myself saying words that are not, go- they're not going to entice people to see the but film. But the thing I think is about that, the, the I don't know, the soup of the end there, not only is it these three horrific events, these times in the history yeah. coming together, but there is these images, there is this music, there is... Her, what is she doing? She's renovating her mom's yeah. house before yeah. she sells it. Yeah, and and the book, and then there is the, there is a full circle yeah. of a romance here. I mean, there's a lot. Of, meanwhile, there's also a blackboard voiceover from the book. I mean, it's like really, there's a lot of things going on here that I again, if I was knowing that if I was just looking at this mapped out, I would maybe say that that's something's not going to work. Something's not going <laughs> right, to, right. you know, this is like, yeah. this is going to be two minutes and it's going to be yeah. some of this, yeah. you know, yeah, and it's yeah. really just that layer, the waves in and out and go up and down. And, and even just the voiceover, the ideas are just layered in with mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're sitting there watching someone read the section right, of their right, books, you right, know, it's just, right, it's just, right. it's an, cause there's that difference, right. With voiceover of if it's just kind of a, another note in sure, their thing. That's what we tried yeah, to make yeah. it. Well, we, 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 the, the decision Spencer and I made was that we, I wanted this to be uh, a portion of the film that you could watch without voiceover. So we cut it just based on images and the voiceover was, like you said, another brushstroke on top as opposed to the voiceover leading it. So it felt what felt more academic. But yeah, I think the core of it is that it's an experience. It's not linear, you know, and, and it's it's a whole bunch of things in it that shouldn't work. There's no antagonist. There's no villain. There's 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 no, you know, standard act, you there's know, love. one break. To be honest with you, it's a story of life. There's yeah. a lot of loss in yeah. this woman's life, yeah. but there's something about the act of writing this book that's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you just feel like her, you feel, and maybe this is, maybe this is probably the journey she went on that, to finish this, her heart had to be, she had to go through this. Mm-hmm. She had to like, again, the only thing I can think of is like her heart is so full mm-hmm. at this moment of a breakthrough mm-hmm. and you feel that, mm-hmm. you know, even just the grieving of her husband and yes. the beautiful relationship. Yes. You feel that kind of yes. come to terms yes. to a certain degree. Yes, I agree. <laughs> well, congratulations. Oh, so I'm glad. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm happy to talk to you about it. What a nice conversation. Mm-hmm.